What the hell's the name of this thing? The Ballsy Podcast. Hosted by the award-winning Evan Grant. This is my baby. And these two were just along riding my carpet, my carpet tail. Kevin Sherrington. I did not choose the dance life. It chose me. Barry Horn. You know what my intention is? When's the last time that anybody has ever asked you a question? No one's ever asked me a question. I'm Barry. Get ready for the most listened to sports podcast in Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm Evan Grant, and this is Balls. I'm Kevin Sherrington, and in this episode, we're going to talk about the Cowboys. And I'm Barry Horn. To hear our other exciting additions, simply subscribe to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. You know we're on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search Ballsy Podcast. That's Ballsy with a Z. So sit back, relax, that's relax with an X, and enjoy another edition of the Cowboys Ballsy with a Z Podcast. Well, the Super Bowl hasn't kicked off yet. But it's time to talk Cowboys draft because it was either Super Bowl or bust or where Tony Romo is next year or this. So let's go to this. OK, let's talk NFL draft with CBSSports.com's senior NFL draft analyst and one time Frisco Rough Riders PR guy. And what else did you do, Dane Brugler? Uh, let's see. Did the Super Bowl host committee uh, back when uh uh, Super Bowl 45 in North Texas, and then also did a little bit with the Final Four. So did a lot here in uh, DFW, but you know the draft has always been the focus, the the passion, and what I enjoy doing most. You mean Tony Faye didn't instill a passion in you for PR in the Dallas-Fort Worth area? Hey, Tony Faye tried, that's for sure. Uh, definitely learned a lot from, from Tony, uh, but you know, if you ask him, he'll tell you that I was – probably talking more about draft prospects and you know 40 yard dash times than i was uh press releases man i i, I didn't i, I don't, don't blame i don't blame you for one <laughs> yeah i don't remember being in your office if you ever had like mock draft boards up in your office or not did you oh yeah i mean i i found time to put out my own draft book and was doing draft stuff on the side uh you know i always made sure to keep tony happy with uh, my my PR work that came first and foremost, but doing my draft work on the side helped me get noticed by CBS and by a lot of other outlets and some some uh, few NFL teams. So uh, it's been pretty interesting the let's, the path I've taken to get to this point. Let's cut to the chase. Cowboys have what the twenty eighth pick in the draft, right? Okay, what do you got? Oh, 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 Barry's playing traffic cop again. No, yeah. what, what do you got? People have tuned. They want to hear who Dane thinks the Cowboys. Might be able to get a 28. What do you got? Well, the strength of this draft really play to what the Cowboys will be looking at. Uh, obviously, we have to go through free agency first. We'll see how uh, certain moves play out. You know, there are a few decisions they need to make in the secondary. Uh, but I think everyone would agree they need to address, address the pass rush. And this is a year where it's a deep pass rush class, uh, defensive ends, uh, edge rushers. There's going to be a heavy dosage of these guys in that 20 to 40 range. And so some very good players can be pushed to that 28th pick, talking about guys like Carl Lawson from Auburn, Tack McKinley, UCLA, Tim Williams, Alabama. There's going to be some talent at that 28th pick, and uh, there's going to be some options because corner and safety are also strong, deep classes this year. Uh, I think the way the – 
the needs uh, of the Cowboys uh, match up very well with the strengths of this draft. So I think they'll have some options at 28. Well, you know, if, if the Cowboys do add a defensive end, uh, you know, historically what you see in, in defensive ends, unless they're guys who are just, you know, a top five pick, uh, or we see what Joey Bosa did this year. He, he had a, a tremendous year when he was healthy. But uh, he was a top five pick. Oh, that's what I mean. Yeah. So, but it, so at the at the bottom of the first round, you know, uh, it's like Emmanuel Ogba from Oklahoma State. He, he ended up with what mm-hmm. five and a half sacks this year for the Browns. Does that does that sound right? I think it's right. He it wasn't a, a great year for him, but it was a solid rookie season. Yeah, and he's a guy that the Cowboys were planning on taking in the second round, and then uh, right. and then the Browns took him in front of the Cowboys, and so they took Jalen Smith instead. Um, is let's say let's take a, a Carl Lawson, let's take a Charles Harris from Missouri. Those are a couple of guys who might be available uh, in the, at the end of the first round. How would you compare them to an Ogba uh, at this stage? I think that you're talking about similar uh, NFL ceilings, you know, guys that you don't necessarily take thinking, you know, Pro Bowls, but you're drafting them thinking uh, consistent, solid NFL starter, guys that you can rely on. Uh, you know, I think Demarcus Lawrence, uh, he's viewed in kind of a similar breath. Uh, you know, when he was a prospect coming out of Boise State, now, of course, he's had some other issues that have kept him off the field. But uh, when you're looking at a, a Carl Lawson, you know, there you can poke holes in his game. Uh, it doesn't have ideal length. Uh, he's more of a Brandon Graham-style rusher uh, where he's, he's a little shorter, but he's built, uses his lower body quickness, his upper body power to break the rhythm of blockers and find ways to get into the pocket. So, uh, you know, he's not that prototypical edge rusher. Uh, there, there are a few holes in his game, but nothing that should keep him from being a reliable NFL starter, similar with Ogba. There, there were holes in his game. Uh, you know, you could point to his, uh, you know, lack of a counter move. Uh, you know, he relied on uh, certain measures to get to the to the pocket, and blockers understood that. And so uh, his development of adding a second, third, fourth pass rush move is the key for Ogba. And it's similar with these guys that are going to be available in the late first round. Uh, they're going to have some weaknesses, but if you're taking them in the first round, you expect them to be reliable NFL starters moving forward. Dane, can you remind us uh, about Jalen Smith? If if healthy, what do the Cowboys have there? Well, obviously it's a big if, but uh, oh. before the injury, it was. I mean, he's an elite athlete with uh, the instincts that you want, the ball awareness, his anticipation, uh, a true three-down linebacker who can blitz, he can play the run, he can hold up in coverage. He just, you know, we talk about players with holes. It's just hard to find a hole in his game. Uh, he did everything fast. He did everything uh, with a purpose, very instinctive. So if he's able to return and be close, anything close to what he was at Notre Dame, uh, the Cowboys are getting a Pro Bowl caliber linebacker, a guy that uh, can play inside, can play outside. Um, and so it's, it's a big gift, though. I talked to teams last year who told me their doctors told them, maybe a 20% chance that he'll ever even play football again. So uh, obviously the Cowboys had some inside knowledge with the, you know, the doctor who performed the surgery and all that, but uh, it will be interesting to see if he does get back on the field, what type of player he is. Is he anything close to what we saw at Notre Dame? Dana, you spent last week at the senior bowl and, and mm-hmm. these guys, you saw these guys. I, I guess the question that I've got is, Given where the Cowboys are right now, 
and what they did in 2016, you know, there is the perception that this team adds a defensive player or two that it is a Super Bowl contender. It may be a Super Bowl contender right now, but it certainly strengthens its Super Bowl uh, chops. Do you consider guys like Lawson and McKinley, do you consider them guys who can come in and make a enough of an impact in a rookie season to significantly improve this defense? Oh, I do, and I think that's the way the Cowboys need to be looking at this. Uh, and it, you're always drafting the best player available when you're picking. You know whether that's for the short term or the long term. You stack your board, and you're drafting your best player available uh, when you're picking in the first round. But I think they have to have an eye on not only the future, but the right now and finding a player who can contribute. And uh, if he's not a starter, he's at least contributing a heavy amount of snaps uh, to your defense, a guy that can impact the, the pocket, a guy that can hold up versus the run, you know, a guy that you don't feel is a liability out there. Uh, that's something that really showed this past year. They didn't have a true edge rusher. They don't have anyone on this roster that really – Offensive coordinators scare you. Uh, you know they have to uh, scheme the protection to, to go up against this one edge rusher who's going to give you trouble. And can they find that guy in this draft? I think it's possible. Um, I think most edge rushers are taken in the top ten. You know the truly elite guys, guys like Von Miller and JJ Watt, uh, Khalil Mack. But it's possible to find some of these guys later on. Guys like you know the Justin Houston um, of the NFL. So. Uh, it will be interesting to see how they stack their board. And, and like I said, this is a deep, deep defensive end class. So if they don't go with a Carl Lawson or a Tack McKinley in the first round, they will have some options in the second round. A Deshaun Hall from Texas A&M, uh, it, Terrell Basham from Ohio, Derek Rivers, Youngstown State. There's just plenty of other flavors of pass rusher that they can decide to go corner. Or, heck, I know a lot of fans won't like this, but – O.J. Howard, the talented tight end from Alabama, if he were to fall to 28, that would make a lot of sense, go defense in the second round. Well, and this is where we were going to go, but O.J. Howard was at the top of the list of guys that you sent me originally, and I'd love to debate this with, with you guys. Even if he's there and – you know, Jason Witten is getting up in age, and don't, don't forget. Shut up, Barry. don't forget Gavin Escobar. Shut up, Barry. Golly. Um, would you, Kevin? Would you endorse that? You know, here's the thing. Going into this last draft, who would have said? Because they had the same problems going into this last draft that right. they had this year, right? No, no pass rush. Had to address the defense. Had, had to address. Got to get it. You got to get it. Joy Bosa. You know, if he's available, you got to take. He it. wasn't available, and he wasn't available. But that everybody was saying he had to, and then all of a sudden. As it time went by here, you you start looking at Zeke Elliott a little bit more. But do you look at it differently at twenty eight than you do at four too? Well, yeah, because you're you're getting a uh, listen. Zeke Elliott to me was a no brainer from from a standpoint of who he was. Right. You know, he, he's a he's a great player. He's all around terrific back. But uh, you know, uh, do they need a replacement for Jason Witten? Yes, they do. I mean, there's I think Jason Witten is coming back, but there's a question whether he might. I, I think he I'm pretty ninety percent sure he'll come back. Yeah. But he's also clearly at the end of his career as well. So they, they need somebody to replace him. Uh, you know, I liked Hunter Henry last year, who was pretty good for the Chargers. Uh, you know, but I do think that tight ends come along. I think that you can find another tight end 
next year, if that's what you decide to do. Uh, I think it would certainly help this offense to have him. Uh, I, I think they should lean toward the best defensive player, whoever that is. Uh, now, if there's a great offensive player there, that's fine. If you get a cornerback, uh, is, you know, would you think Tredavious uh, White would fall that far, or is, is he somebody who's going to go – far before the 28th pick. Dane, if if Howard were, were there... I just asked a question. Yes, Dane, a question. Oh, I thought you were making a statement. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. So, so no, it, I think Tredavious White, uh, he's definitely kind of in that range where he could be there at 28, but I don't think it would surprise anyone if he goes top 25. Uh, but I mentioned this is a strong corner class. Uh, so we could see five corners come off the board in the top 25 and none of them be white. So I think it's very, very feasible that he could be there at 28. Wait a minute. <laughs> um, all right, so to to get back to this point though, is it? And, and we all saw Howard and in, in his performances all year long. If Howard's there, pretty much in the big games in the championship it, games, absolutely two years in a row. If yeah. Howard is there at twenty eight, is there a marked difference for you at this point between Howard and the defensive ends? Depending on who was there, because uh, really, last year was easy. You, you list your top four players in the draft, you're guaranteed to get one of them. This year, picking at 28, it's more similar to two years ago when uh, what, they were picking 27, and that's when Byron Jones fell to them. I don't think they believed Byron Jones would be available for them in the late first round, but uh, just that's the way the first round played out that year. This year, we'll have to see how the first 27 picks play out. Uh, you know, there's always a few surprises. Uh, maybe a few guys you have ranked high on your board will fall a little bit. Uh, so it depends on who is there. Uh, that, that's first and foremost. But O.J. Howard is one of the top 15 players in this draft, in my opinion. And so if he's still available at 28, uh, as long as, you know, one of these talented pass rushers that you have ranked highly doesn't fall to you, uh, O.J. Howard would be uh, an impact player that you can add to this offense. You know, Jason Witten's entering age 35 year uh, for him. So, you know, we know he's, you know, on the back nine, uh, at, you know, closer to the 18th hole than, uh, you know, I'm sure he would like to admit. But this, the other reason uh, against taking O.J. Howard in the first round would be the strength of this year's tight end class. It's a very, very deep group. You can find, you know, a Jake Butt from Michigan. He had the ACL injury uh, in the bowl game, but it's supposed to be a, a clean injury. He, there's a good chance he'll be available uh, early next year. You can get him in the second or third round. Uh, and, you know, he could be the de facto heir to the tight end throne. So, uh, you know, the tight end group this year is a very deep group, uh, along with the pass rusher and corner. So uh, if O.J. Howard is there, they, there's going to be a long discussion about it. There has to be. But I don't think it's as much of a no-brainer because of the pass rushes who could be there and the tight ends they could get later on. Let me let me throw another name in the mix here. Let's say John Ross from Washington. Uh, because I, I feel like, uh, t- to me, uh, Bryce Butler is not the answer. Uh, so you're talking wide receiver. Wide receiver here. Terrence Williams. I, you know, I think Terrence Williams had a better year last year. He's, he's still – you know, t- to me, they need somebody who can really stretch the defense, and and uh, and Terrence Williams has been able to do that at times, but not consistently. Uh, I don't know if John Ross is that guy or not. But let me ask you that question first. Do you think, first of all, is he that kind of player? I think so. I, I think he is very reminiscent of Brandon Cooks, uh, the New Orleans Saints uh, receiver. Not the biggest guy, but he can he can move. He's the type of player that can get vertical. Uh, and really stretch out a defense. So, uh, 
you know, it's, it's going to be interesting because the Cowboys, you look at what they traditionally look for in a Z receiver, and they want a little bit more size, uh, you know, a guy that could be maybe more of a possession threat. Uh, and they thought they were getting that with Terrence Williams, also a guy that could, you know, stretch the field. But John Ross is a little different because he's, he's a little smaller. He's about 5'10", uh, 190 pounds. But uh, what he can do from an athletic standpoint, uh, it really puts a lot of stress on the defense. He can manipulate coverages, and he's more than just a speedster. He's a route technician, uh, excellent footwork to create his own spacing. Uh, there's a lot to like about uh, what Ross can be at the next level. So if he's available, he's another guy that uh, ideally you're looking at as a defensive heavy draft. But if Ross is there at 28, he's, he's an instant contributor, a guy that can step in and help us offense. Dane, who gave you the phrase route technician? Uh, you know, I think the great uh, scout formerly from Arlington, C.O. Bracado, uh, gave me that one. C.O. Bracado. Route technician. Come on, that's not a, that's not a big word. Come on, that's that's a scout that that's like that's a that's that's a scouting jargon. Theo Bracado was around for a million years. Yeah, he was around a million years. Uh, so so I, I think that's a to me this is what you know fans don't want to hear this kind of stuff. But it, as you said, it's a deep it, the, the this draft plays to the Cowboys' needs from the standpoint of defensive ends, from cornerbacks, and even tight ends, as you said. So those three things could all be available in the second round, and you and you might be getting a guy who's just about as good as the guy you would have taken at the end of the first round. But if you could get a guy, but in the, which goes back to the thing you always take the best guy you can get in the first round. Absolutely, uh, and, and like I said, it was easier last year because you list your top four players, right. and you're going to get an impact guy. This year, your first round pick is almost like a second round pick. It's so late in the round that uh, it gives you a little bit more options to uh, not necessarily go for more of a need, but if you have you know four players sitting on your board with similar grades, you can go in the direction of you know maybe what you feel you need most or who's going to help you more right away. Uh, and so there, I think there's a little more wiggle room, a little more intrigue with what they're going to do this year compared to last year. So would, would that mean perhaps – Perhaps the trade technicians in the uh, room, uh, draft room, would might want to uh, drop down in the draft. Oh, we'll go to the second on. round. No, they might. No, they they might. You got to keep the phone lines open. You never know what you're going to, what kind of offer you're going to get. Um, and again, it depends on who's available for you. If your first round grades, you know, say the Cowboys have twenty first round grades, and say those guys get wiped out, and you just don't love anyone that's going to be available for you. This is a deep draft in the top three rounds. So if you can, if you move back 10 spots into the second round, also pick up a third rounder in the process, then you're looking at four guys in the top 100 picks, four draft picks that uh, if, and if you draft correctly, that's four future starters. Uh, so I think it's something you have to keep the phone lines open and consider your options at that point. Uh, you just you just never know with trade. That's obviously something that uh, you know anything can happen on draft weekend. All right, Dane. I know you've got another radio show to do here in the next minute or two, um, and we appreciate you uh, wedging us into your schedule. Um, let me just uh, tell long, folks that goodbye. They can find you at DP Brugler. That's D P B R U G L E R on Twitter. Um, and uh, next time we have you on, we'll talk about 
some of your amateur pit master uh, adventures because you and I have a lot to share on that on that front. <laughs> and the other reason we have to go is because um, Barry has an interview with somebody um, that he actually scored. So this is uh, it's breaking news here in um, it's breaking in, news that Barry had an interview in podcast world. Yes. So thank you again. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Dane. All right. Thank, thanks, guys. Dane. Anytime. Evan, I didn't realize you had such a long history with Dane. I go way back. You know, I, I'm embarrassed to say I, I realize that now that he worked for Frisco. I'd forgot, I completely yeah. forgotten that. Well, it's not your responsibility to know who the PR guys are at the AA team all the time. Was he the lead P, head PR guy? I don't remember getting emails yes. from him. Well, yes. they, they they go through a lot of them up there. Oh, they I do. know. But I, they I, do. I, and you know who one of them was? One of them was Aaron Goldsmith, who is now the voice of the Seattle Mariners and is good a young radio voice in baseball as there is. How about that? Yeah, he's outstanding. Um, uh, but, yeah, there goes Dane. Barry, uh, did you talk to anybody recently? Uh, not really, no. Okay. Oh, you mean, oh, I sat down with Jerry Jones uh, about a week ago to talk to him, about, really. to talk to him uh, about the Hall of Fame. Uh, his, he's up for the Hall of Fame. Is he really? Yeah, he is in the contributor category, and uh, I think he's a lock to get in because – He's not really running. There's not. It's not a competition for for him. Let me he, say this: if the owners were voting, th- it's a th- thumbs up or thumbs down. Well, if the owners were voting for this, he he is a unanimous. Pick. Well, uh, but 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 writers are voting for this, and Jerry yes. uh, Jerry's good with writers. He's he's yeah. he, he's good with writers, and uh, these are forty eight uh, uh, people who he's met and talked to, and perhaps we could use the word cultivated over the years. And and I think he's a lock to get in. He needs thirty nine of the forty eight to get in. It's a straight up and down vote. Yes or no? Jerry Jones, yes or no? So nobody's making a case for him. Uh, I think Rick Goslin uh, will make a case for him. But everybody knows what what case do you explain have to make? that? Everybody has to make a case. Everybody, everybody has to present. In pre- the, yeah. in you, this you get a presenter. It's usually from the hometown. It yeah. is from the hometown. It'll right. be Rick Goslin of uh, Dow- the Dallas Morning News presenting Jerry Jones. So there, there's a vote for Jerry right there. Uh, Shereen Williams in Fort Worth, she'll, yeah. she'll, she'll, vote, she'll for vote for him. Um, I, I, Who I think, would vote for him? I, I think he's a lock. Because, Gary Myers is a voter, isn't he? Uh, yes, and Gary, I, Gary, who's been a frequent guest, as he reminded me this morning what he, when he asked why we didn't call him today. Wow. Uh, uh, I, I said because his last check didn't clear. He pays us to be on. Wow. But um, absolutely. And and I asked Jerry, and, and I think we're going to have some sound to this. Uh, Producer Doug will 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 put this in. And, and I asked Jerry if he was. Yeah, we we have no idea what the sound is though. I asked I, I I asked him if he was nervous about get, getting in, 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 into about the upcoming vote, and he said no, he's not nervous. And then he went on a thirty minute, uh, what seemed like a thirty minute conversation of telling me what nervous is. And and he, that's how we got into how nervous he was when he bought the when team. he when he bought the Did team, he though. use the word nervousosity? No, he didn't, Evan. Did he say relevant too? Uh, maybe I don't know. He loves to say relevant too. But 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 he, he, you know what's the weirdest word that like a coach or player used as his go-to word for you? Well, that's one of them. He, Jerry loves to say this when something's relevant to something. He loves to say something's a cliche, and when it's not a cliche. You know what my favorite one was? What? When I covered Butch Davis when he was coaching at the University of Miami, everything was schematically. Schematically, really? He, he loved to use schematically 
And this was 25 years ago before guys were using schematically a lot in in football jargon. So and you thought he was talking about like a little game, right? So he 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 was he was ahead of his time, is what you're he saying. He was ahead of his time. Yeah. And behind the curve is. But I asked Sheriff if he, if he was nervous about the Hall of Fame, and and, and we'll hear him. And he'll say he wasn't nervous at all. Um, well, let's listen to that. Yeah, let's listen to it. Okay, let's listen to it. Do we Doug? get to hear you ask the question? I'm I'm not going to say nervous. I'm. Uh, uh, it's it's. Uh, like when you're looking ahead at an upcoming game uh, in the playoffs. Uh, you, you certainly know nothing is given. It's such an honor. Uh, but in particular, what it is, is uh, 27 years ago, I got a chance to be a part of the Dallas Cowboys, the NFL. Never dreamed. Couldn't have imagined that could go through and have some of the experiences, positive. Sure trying, sure got criticized. <laughs> but have some of the positive experiences we've had over the last 27 years. And then to, on top of that, possibly get a, a recognition or a pat on the back, it just seems uh, too good to be real. See, I told you Jerry would say that. Yeah, that's great, Jerry. <laughs> Evan, I, I can't spoon feed. Can't, and I asked him also if he was disappointed, if he would be disappointed if he had to wait. And he said, no, it was just a great honor to be considered. And Jerry's a very competitive guy. I, I let him say that. I didn't know what he said. But let's face it. If Jerry doesn't get in come Saturday, he will not be a happy man. I don't think. He's going to lay waste to the NFL? No, no. But he, he made, you know, it, it's remarkable how much money he's made for everybody in the NFL. I don't, I don't know. that. I, um, and this is like not having had one personal conversation with Jerry Jones. The only thing I've ever You know, he told me he wants to meet you. Is in groups. And I get the sense that the Hall of Fame does not mean that much to him. I oh, I disagree. S- oh. oh, I get Evan. the sense that this guy would would give up the Hall of Fame for three more Super Bowl titles any day of the week. Yes, of course. Yes, well, as, 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 as anybody would. But that doesn't that doesn't say that the Hall of Fame is not important. The Hall of Fame is is the next thing up on his here's, here's, radar. He wants to get and in. Here's the reason why he would want to be in the Hall of Fame because Jimmy Johnson is not. That's correct. He would be in the Hall of Fame before Jimmy Johnson. He'd be in the Hall of Fame. Who would he be in the Hall of Fame with? The triplets. Yes. And and uh, Troy Aikman, Michael right. Irvin, Emmett Smith, right. Jerry Jones. Absolutely. For the th- his, he said his greatest disappointment was not winning uh, three Super Bowls in a row. And we have audio on that, too. Well, I will go specifically to a disappointment early. Uh, I thought we had a chance to win three Super Bowls in a row. And uh, uh, we went out to Candlestick Park, San Francisco 49ers in the NFC Championship game. Barry Switzer was our coach. Uh, and we got down three touchdowns before we even blinked. And we had the best team. And uh, I thought we had a chance to win three in a row. That was uh, as disappointing a game as I've been involved in. I was pretty disappointing when we went down to Houston uh, and the Houston Texans had their first professional game in that stadium. And uh, we played in that game before a half-thronged house of Cowboy fans as well and got beat. That was pretty disappointing as far as a game is concerned. I'll say this, Barry, one of the, maybe right there with all of it, has been to have had Tony Romo and to have had him as our quarterback uh, for the last 10, 11 years at a high level, although he's had a couple of years in there injured, and not have knocked on that door or gotten a Super Bowl. Uh, 
uh, with Romo as quarterback. That's been uh, that's been a pretty that's going to uh, have been a disappointment. Guys, let me just tell you something. You know, you want me to spoon Mary's feed. All animated. You want me to spoon feed everything to you. This is all available online at the Dallas Morning News SportsDayDFW.com in a story written that uh, I'm sure hundreds of thousands of people have read and already hundreds viewed of the, thousands and already viewed the video. Yes, this. Yes, we have deep numbers that will tell us how many people have read it. <laughs> I don't think Jerry had that many relatives. Um, the uh, look here. Here's the thing uh, about about Jerry Jones. And I think maybe fans, maybe fans don't understand this. He's not going in as as a general manager. No, he's going in as an owner. He's going in as a contributor. As a contributor, right? And and and, and in my mind, uh, there. What do you want from an owner? You know that that's such a nebulous thing for for fans anyway, and even the media. It's kind of like you know, it's not. First of all, the players should get in first. Well, but right? this is a separate category. Then coaches second, then contributors last. Well, 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 what they did was contributors is a different category. Yes. but he's not competing with no, the, no, no. with the players. And he's not. And he's not. Who right. Are the I, other contributors that are up. Uh, Paul Tagliabue is the other one this year, Buh. and he he. I, I don't think he'll get in. He was not. He is the antithesis. Is that a good word? Yes, it of is. Jerry. He is not well liked. He he was, you know, he was unapproachable as commissioner. And uh, where's Jerry, you know, you, you say, Jerry, you got a minute, and then Jerry gives you an hour. Let me, t- let me tell you the biggest mark against Paul Tagliabue. His quote, in which he said the concussion problem in the NFL is all drummed up by the media. It's just, a, it's just media hyperbole. Well, that know. alone should keep pa- Paul but, Tagliabue out But that's not what will keep him out. What will keep him out is his— Oh, it might, because he's blaming per- it on the media. But his personality he, it was such that he was unapproachable. He, he, yeah, look, first of all, you, you can't bring it down just to that. You cannot yeah. just say that we are so shallow that we would only vote for people that we liked. Uh, yeah, we are shallow, and but we're and, not that shallow. No, no, but what's well, come on? No. I'm shallow. Come on, I'm shallow. Uh, uh, people get voted in the halls of fame all the time that people don't like. Correct, 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 correct. But I think in this case, it's straight up and down, yes, no. He will not. Uh, and in fact, uh, it was my understanding in talking to some people, this category was basically created to try to get Paul Tagliabue into the hall of fame. Yeah, I, he, he's not getting in, and I, and he shouldn't get in. He should never get in. Uh, you know, Paul Tagliabue was, uh, you know, everybody, I, what I hate about. For, I don't think, I don't think commissioners should get in. I think. I, Pete in Rosell's in. Pete Rosell is Bud in. Bud Selig's in. Bud Selig is in this year. And I honestly, I think that there should be an exhibit on commissioners in the Hall of Fame Museum. And th- this is one thing that, that. But look. That drives me nuts is that there is a misconception that if you're not on one of those plaques, you're not honored in the Hall of Fame. Okay. Mm-hmm. You, if you don't have a bust, you're not honored in the Hall of Fame. The Hall of Fame is that giant museum that tells the history of the sport. And I think that as as commissioners who are supposed to have an independent, arbitrary voice. They, that's, they, yeah, there's they no don't. such thing. Arbiter's yeah, voice. There's right. no such thing, Evan. There is no such thing. But that's what they're supposed to be. Bud was, Bud was more powerful than most baseball commissioners. He was, but I mean, and, and I think that he added a lot. I think by adding the second tier of playoffs and uh and realignment all of those things i think he contributed you, you, on the other hand you can say that but oversaw the steroid sure absolutely um i agree and 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 he oversaw he oversaw the game during its worst work stoppage so um of course part of that is he was just commissioner for so long there right. there okay back to jerry jones yeah here back, we go. back to me there there are three contributors who who've gone in over the last two years one's an owner 
the former owner of the San Francisco 49ers, Eddie DiBartolo Jr. He's in as an owner, okay? Uh, Jerry, the other two were Ron Wolf and— As a GM. As a, as a GM, and I'm having— The senior a, moment? A senior moment. I, I can he, he's tell you. Not, he's the guy's on ESPN now. He's he, he was, Bill Polian. Bill Polian, thank yeah. you very much. Yeah. Is, is, is the other. But Jerry would not be going in as an owner the same way as... Uh, no, but Eddie, but, the, but on Eddie his was. own... I would say on his own merits, Jerry belongs in as an owner every much as Eddie DiBartolo. But, oh, but, but, that's, but he's going so. in because he made rich men yes. richer. Yes. And, well... And, he, and also... And also you know, people say that, and true, but he also made players richer, too. Well, but not only that, though, he made the experience better for fans. It used to be because of the TV contract when Art Modell was in charge of it. It was one network. Boom. Two networks. Two, network. Two networks. Boom. And Jerry came in and said, why are we limiting ourselves to that? Right. It was yes. actually three. ABC had the Monday night game, too. But but he, 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 but he, but he, he, he brought— He made he, it more accessible. He made it more accessible. And he, he built fans. he built he he built the stadium out in uh, Jerry World. In Arlington. Uh, here's here's the thing: is Jerry popular with fans though? I mean, you, you're saying he made the fans game more here? accessible. He made the game more accessible to fans. Yeah. Okay. Right. That he did. Right. Um, is he popular with fans around the country, including here? Uh, not no. I think this perception nationwide probably is a little softer than it is. I think he, he's he was considered a punchline nationally and so, and and locally, frankly, for a right. long time. Right. Uh, and and now I I think he, what he's doing now he's he he's seventy five years old, right? Approximately. Approximately. Barry wrote the story. What, yeah, what, what the heck? He's seventy five years old. He's kind of growing to the stage now where and what we're seeing is that fans are actually seeing Jerry kind of turn things over to other people. Will McClay's in charge of the draft and Steven is in charge of things and Steven has talked him out of of uh, Johnny, Manziel. Johnny Manziel. You know, all those kind of things. And so these were things that you never saw coming. You know, so I think that his image is softening a little bit in this market. My point, my point here is. Yeah. Well, is, let me ask you this question back at you. Yeah. How many owners are popular with fans? Very few. Very. Few. I would say zero. Well, I would say this: Eddie DiBartolo was very popular with his fan base. Was he? I believe so. Yeah, I think I think I think Evans right, but you know, the Jer- Rooney's were very popular with their fan base. Well, but that's different. They they know the team there for was, 100 years. There was a segment. Uh, Al Davis was a polarizing owner. Yeah, but there was a segment of, 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 of fans that were right um, that that were Raider Nation that thought Al Al embodied the Raiders. I, My point here is this: that you make a great case. I mean, Jerry's and and I, I think Jerry should be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, but it's going to be hard for me to sell to the public the underlying reason why he is in the Hall of Fame, which is what Barry just said: he made rich men yeah, right. richer. He lined the pockets of rich men. Right. Um, that, to me, is not necessarily a contributor to the game. It's a contributor to the bottom line. Well, but here's the thing, too. Well, but, 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 you know, you have to say all all ships rise with a rising tide. Players are making more money. Rising tide floats all boats. Thank you. Yeah. Thank, thank you. you. Thank yeah. you, uh, uh, yeah. Mr. Einstein over here. But here's the thing to remember about Jerry, and, and we don't give Jerry enough credit for this. And and everybody wants to say that those those three Super Bowls were Jimmy Johnson's, right? Who hired Jimmy Johnson? He did hire he, Jimmy Jerry. Johnson. Jerry. He was the only coach you. He he, he, and he he acted decisively on the coaching front. Absolutely, there's no doubt. You know, and and, and he and, did win three Super Bowls would, as an owner. Would Jimmy Johnson have ever made in the NFL if not for Jerry Jones? Uh, he there was talk of bringing him in, but certainly it was the perfect storm for Jimmy Johnson as well. Yes, and I don't think that that Jimmy ever gave Jerry credit for that because here's the thing: in the end, 
Yes, Jerry tried to do too much being the GM and the owner both. Well, Jerry, if, if, if but as an owner, he brought in Jimmy Johnson, who won three Super Bowls, or he won two of them, and then the Cowboys won a third one with Barry Switzer as a head coach. Uh, and and when Jerry said, "Did you like those three Super Bowls? I hope you did. I hope you liked them very much." He's right. Well, sure. Uh, and you know what his greatest? Absolutely you, right. you, ironically, you know what he told me his greatest disappointment has been as owner of the Cowboys. What's that? Not winning three in a row. Yeah, the the loss in San Diego, candlestick, NFC Championship game, in the NFC Championship right. game the, after the two Super Bowls, just Listen, crushed him. I, I yeah. think I, I think the case you make, and, and this the Hall of Fame voting in the NFL works different than it does other places, uh, the Pro Football Hall of Fame voting, um, but which I think works better actually. I, I think there's pluses and minuses. Um, you're, talk, like a, you're talking to a baseball Hall of Fame voter yeah, over no. there. I, 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 I like the listen, I understand. I understand. Um, but I, I think the fact that he has owned an iconic franchise for this will be, I think, his 29th year. But he, but he, his argument, let, he, he made it. He remade the franchise into an iconic franchise. And he did. He let did. me, let me. He has owned an iconic franchise for 29 years, overseeing it going into another era. Uh, Won three Super Bowls as an owner. Uh, I, I do think that the con- the contribution that he has made as an owner is taking the stadium game to another level. I yeah. mean, it wasn't just about suites. You had to do something more beyond suites for your fan experience. You look at the thing that's going up in Atlanta right now, and it is ridiculous. And it's going up because Jerry was the, on the front end of that. So... For me, those are all the reasons why I'd state a case. But the bottom line is still that the that, that for owners, what he did was he made them richer. Well, I, but but here's another, and thing. I don't think that's a reason for for writers to vote for him. He, I think if you make that case with all the writers but, in that room, it's got to be those other things. But let's go back to Eddie, Eddie Di Bartolo, right? So Eddie, they won how many Super Bowls did they win in the eighties? Three or four? Four. 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 They won four Super Bowls in the eighties. I believe right? so. Okay. So he's behind. I mean, he put all that in place, right? I mean, he hired the right people and and you know hired Bill Walsh, Bill and, Walsh. and they did everything, uh, which you know you give God credit for that. But but did Eddie do anything outside of that? Correct. You know, and, right. and, and that and that's my point. I don't know what he did whether when he was on the competition committee or anything. Yeah, I don't either. But, Jerry but, has been an innovative thinker. There absolutely. No He's been it. on big committees and done things like that. And Jerry put it in place because look, the Cowboys had run out of gas. When Jerry oh, bought the right. team, that team had run out of that's the organization had run out of they gas. They were losing according to Jerry, they were losing a million dollars, dollars a month. A month. That's what it was a million dollars a month. I think he said 13% of the team was already in bankruptcy. Another 40 was, as he said, on, on its way to the courthouse. Right. Um, so, and, and, and nobody else wanted Look, you know why he got the team? Nobody else wanted right. it. I will tell this story one more time about Tom Hicks. I asked Tom Hicks about that one time. He said that a headhunter called him and said, would you be interested in buying the Cowboys? And he said, so I kicked the tires on, and I said, no, there's, I can't make this right. work. Right, and, and nobody could make it work. Let me ask you a question. Would the Cowboys, knowing what you know now, would the Cowboys been, have been better off with Tom Hicks buying the team? Or Jerry Jones? No, much better with Jerry. Okay. Because, first of all, he brought in Jimmy Johnson, and that was a genius move. I don't know. Alex Rodriguez behind center would have looked Woo! great. All right. Well, we got, we, we've got to go. We've still got yet another podcast to do. Another one? Uh, apparently. <laughs> do we, Barry? Uh, I, I believe so. We're going to have uh, Fran Fraschilla, who I met through my wife, believe it or not. We'll tell that. We'll tell that. He's the... Uh, he, you know, he said that Fran dated his wife. I didn't say he. I didn't say he dated my wife. I said he knew my wife. He knew oh. my wife before I knew my wife. But how's that? But but here. But they went to high school together. But here's the deal. He'll be in to talk about uh, players who who might be available to help the Mavericks. 
and I'm sure he'll have some foreign. You know, he's he's ESPN's expert. He's a college basketball analyst, but he's also ESPN's expert on foreign players. So, Lord knows what name he'll he'll give us. Oh, I don't know if we want to talk about foreign players right now. No foreign. Oh, we can't get him in the country. Well, <laughs> we can't get him in the country. Holy cow! So, uh, it, you know, the NBA has checked with the State Department about I, this. I understand that, yeah. and um, I. Might even be a good question for 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 Fran because I, the, the NBA I think might have more issues with current players than than other leagues. Yeah. So, all right, well let's roll on the Cowboys and we will uh, we'll be back with uh, some basketball talk. Bye bye. Thanks for listening to the Cowboys Ballsy with a Z podcast. Don't forget to subscribe via iTunes. You'll get new episodes every week and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, sports fans, see you.